Where Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I'm John. And today we've got a wonderful tale for you today in the episode The Bartender's Tale, episode 23 of season 3. It aired on the 18th of April 1985, directed by James Burroughs, and it sees the return of Sam Simon from last week as the writer. And it's, a, it's a nice episode. I think it's quite a fun one. There are a few episodes you could put into this collection, but it could fit well into the collection of the erotic misadventures of Sam Malone. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to categorise it as like guest star driven one, something like that. I didn't realise you are going to get into like... But you know, you, mean, you're right, you could categorise it as that. Episode of The Simpsons called Fear of Flying, where Homer goes to Cheers Bar, and they make fun of the fact that Sam is dating women all the time and trying to hide it from women all the time. And I think this episode is a key example of that. It's a farce, but it's a good one. This has been the first time in a while where it's been a major part, I'd say. Yeah, I think there's been times where Sam has seen data people, but none of it's really been taken to a farcical extent. Should we open up with the cold open, James? If this was a meal, this would be one of the, one which would give you a sample a taste of delicious food ahead, because it's, it's related, isn't it? It's a, it's a little canapé. Nom nom nom. And um, it sets up that after Diane leaving Cheers in last week's episode, Cheerio Cheers, Sam is now looking for a new waitress. There's kind of two factors in this sort of recruitment process. Sam flirting with people, and Carla saying you need to actually hire a waitress. And Carla's right, hire someone who's good for the job. <laughs> and, and is threatening uh, to leave if he doesn't. And that sets up the episode. The conflict's right there. Sam needs to hire someone who's good for the job, but which he actually gets somewhere with, which customers like. And let's face it, a lot of the customers are lecherous men. Another applicant for the waitress job. Eh, it's easy for him probably to find somebody to work for the wages he pays you, huh? <laughs> with tips, I clear about 500 bucks a week, Clayton. That can't be right, is it? I did her taxes. You mean to tell me that a federal employee entrusted with the most noble and vital service of our society makes less money than some wench who serves beer to slabs on barstools? <laughs> makes sense to me, Cliffy. With Cliff uh, being a bit downtrodden by not being paid as much, I completely agree with him. He should be paid more because of the service that not only him, but so many people are doing. Norm's counterclaim to that is he could go three days without mail, but not three days without pint. So, uh, as you said, this is uh, a continuation of the cold open, and we see Sam interviewing another person. And all Carla wants is someone who doesn't make them both think of the word boob at the same time. It's not too much to ask for, really. And um, the next applicant on the list is very different to the other applicants. Somewhat older, trained, and British. Quintessentially British. Very, like, school matron type. She's exactly what we need. She's a career waitress. You are? Oh, that I am, Mr Malone. You see, I'm one of those fortunate people who felt the irresistible tug of their true calling early in life. <laughs> when I was but 18... I filled in one day for a mate at a pub. Excuse me. I realised that day that I could have no happier or a finer destiny in store than distributing refreshments in a public house. <laughs> uh, through the years, I've led many a rug aside in a bawdy song and countless times offered my shoulder to cry on. But never once have I regretted my decision. 
I shall consider my life well spent if it can be honestly carved on my gravestone. Lillian Huxley never kept a thirsty man waiting for his ale, and she always brought him a wee bit more than a pint. Played by Lila Kay. I'll talk about other things that Lila Kay's been in because, trust me, they are ooh, coincidental. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Not only played the titular character in Mama Malone, which we've talked about before. Yeah. She also played Sister Mary in Nuns on the Run, Miss Trout in Bodger and Badger, which if you haven't seen Bodger and Badger, oh, it's a great show. But most interestingly, she played a similar role to Lillian when she played a barmaid of the slaughtered lamb in American Werewolf in London, which is a great film. Fantastic soundtrack. Uh, and it's got Lila Kay as a to say, barmaid of this bar in the Yorkshire Moors. The same character? A similar one. But who knows, after the events of American Werewolf in London, which I don't, if you haven't seen, I won't spoil it, then she may have, you know, wanted to move away from Yorkshire and... Uh, to, to America? To America. The just origin of the werewolf? Is it the origin of the werewolf? Either way, she wanted to get far away from it. Maybe change her name. We found out in the episode she has a disturbing past anyway. The other interviewees so far are Rhonda Shear as Sydney. She also appeared in Happy Days, Chips, Heart to Heart, The Fall Guy, The A-Team, Three's Company, Dallas, Full House, Married with Children, among many others. Now, I only found out about these films when doing research for this episode, but the title and the posters alone are mind-boggling. The Rollerblade 7 films. 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 There's only, there's two of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, three. There's, there's, there's three of them, but one of them is technically the other two edited into one film. Brynja McGrady as Brenda, second interviewee. She also appeared in Dynasty, Airwolf and Freddy's Nightmares, among others. Uh, interestingly, found out that Lila Kay played uh, Mama Malone. The first line in this episode is, how do you do, Mr. Malone? And the B-plot of this episode is set, well, I say a B-plot, some scenes of this episode are set in Italy. You crash them together, M- Maloney. But I'll tell you what, research for this episode, John, I had to, I had to sweep up the fragments of my shattered mind. <laughs> Needless to say, Carla is very impressed with Lillian's uh, resume of her time in um, American Werewolf and insists that Sam needs to hire her. And they give her a week's sort of probation period. Everyone's singing songs, laughing. She's teaching people how to play darts. Yeah, and, and, she was beating them at darts. <laughs> and the, the best thing is all for Carla is there's zero risk of Sam having a uh, relationship with this waitress. That would wreck her employment. I mean, just imagine, I don't know, if Lila had a younger, attractive daughter or something ridiculous. Well, it's a good thing that's not going to happen. So the next thing, this um, young woman comes into the bar. <laughs> and Sam hits Lots on. of people have a British accent. We have British. Well, you have a British accent. Who knows what my accent is? It turns out this is Lila's young, attractive daughter. Yeah, she starts going. By the way, I'm a lingerie model. Here's my catalogue. Do you want to look? And Sam's going. Well, I, I. And then she just opens it up, and all the men go. Well, what are you talking about? Uh, woman, she's doing all this for my benefit. <laughs> well, you know, so she's talking loud, so I can hear everything. You know, that woman wants me more than any woman has wanted me before. Cliffy, sometimes you really scare me. 
I said this is a farcical episode and there's a great bit which shows the physical humor in this and it's when Carolyn's showing the catalog and Sam's filling up the ice bucket. You know, when I saw the shot, I knew exactly what was going to happen and it was waiting for when this was going to happen. And Sam's taking the ice, <laughs> putting it into the ice bucket and then she opens the next page to the clothing optional shots, like the, the naked shots. And then just Sam starts throwing ice at people. <laughs> But of course, his eyes aren't even looking at the bucket anymore. This is exactly what Carla's been warning about. I tell you, Sam, the moment you start being attracted to a waitress, you start throwing ice at people, people start slipping. That won't stand for it, Sam. It's a health and safety risk. What are you talking about, Carla? Just, just, just you see. I think Cliff even offers to pay $1,000 for the catalogue. It is, which is a bit creepy. Before we delve into how this episode ends should we jump to i suppose what the other plot of the episode is the italian plot yeah it's like the italian job but not quite as catchy and without michael kane but someone who sounds a bit like michael kane no it's not it's, it's nothing to do with that no i like it the, the italian plot fraser and diane have checked into their hotel in italy and that's yep. that's all i can remember <laughs> no um uh, not much else happens i don't think <laughs> Frazier gives a tip, and he's a bit confused about the currency. This inflated currency is so ridiculous, I keep expecting a bum to walk up and ask for a million lira for a cup of coffee. <laughs> you tip the man $100 to bring our bags eight feet. Are you sure? Lots of hotel staff come in to say congratulations. I'm not sure what they're congratulating him for. I'll talk about who played the bellboy. Got an interesting name. Gregory Snagoff. Well, he's an actor known mostly for his voice work in the Robotech universe where he has voiced the largest amount of recurring characters, including Kaiwan, Scott Bernard, Dr. Emil Lang, Colonel Alan Fredericks, and Colonel B.D. Andrews. He also voiced a weatherman in Point Break. As we return to the main plot of the episode, Carla agrees with Sam that he can go on a date to Cape Cod with Lillian's daughter, as long as he gets permission from Lillian. And I'll tell you what, the farce is strong with this one, John. He invites her into his office to have a chat with her. Which can only go one of two ways. Either she'll say, yes, that's fine, or she'll get angry and go, no, how dare you date my daughter? Uh, There's no other way it can go. After the conversation, Carla goes, how did it go? Sam says, worse than you could imagine. Yes, there's actually a secret third option. (laughs) (laughs) Before Sam has a chance to explicitly ask whether he can uh, go to Cape Cod with Carolyn, wanders around the topic. Don't say another word. I understand you completely. You do? Of course. Oh, hey, thank you. I just wanted to, well, I just wanted to get your approval first. Oh, Sam, how can you be so civilised when your very blood is boiling? Don't you think I haven't been feeling the same urges? Don't you think I haven't felt the same unconquerable chemistry? Don't you think denying ourselves hasn't been as treacherous for me as it has for you? That is what you meant, isn't it? You bet. No, no, um, this this whole thing just kind of snuck up on me, that's all. Basically, she tells Sam that she wants him. Sam's just going, this is the last thing I wanted to happen. And as you say, he goes back into the bar. But Carolyn's still waiting there. She's getting impatient, John. She wants to go to Cape Cod. So Sam has a, a, a chat with Carl, and Carl gives him the advice of... Um... I got it. Lillian is smarter than us, right? Mm-hmm. All right. 
You go in there and tell her, Lillian, we can't do this because, well, you know. No, I don't. No, Sam. That's what you say. She'll think of something and fill in the rest. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. How does the part go that I say again? Come on. We can't do this because, well, you know. No, I don't. I wouldn't be asking you to repeat it if I did. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Perfect. So that's what happens. And she does that, but not without admitting a couple of things. She's a killer. She's she's killed many men in bed. There's not really a polite way to put it, is there? Is there, John? Her past husbands... She's Passions killed her. That's what they said. They were having too much of a good time. And Sam goes, oh, really? This could change everything. It's what he thought, but he didn't say it. It was a weird twist. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to deny that i didn't didn't see it coming but i understand now why it's called the bartender's tale from that because of similarities to chaucer's the wife of bath's tale now are you familiar with chaucer writer of the canterbury tales which is about people on a boat telling stories that's probably a very big simplification of it but it's essentially that the wife of bath's tale addresses the idea of what women want most being sovereignty over men which at the time that Chaucer wrote this was, you know, a big issue of, and a man having to choose between an older, more loyal woman or a younger, more beautiful one. And when Lillian's revelation came about, not only that she wanted to be with Sam, but how her previous lovers had died, then it put Sam into this said position. The phrase which they've used in Chaucer's The Wife of Bath is sovereignty over men, but it does give her that power balance, I think. So yeah, that's why I take it as being called The Bartender's Tale, because of how it compares to The Wife of Bath's Tale. Interesting parallels. I suppose that decision does kind of weigh over him towards the end of the episode. He decides to continue on the date with her daughter, which makes things even more weird, really. But he, he gets permission to go on a date from Lillian. Yeah, he asks Carolyn how her father died, and Carolyn just goes really angry, just goes, Well, the coroner said it was a heart attack. But we all know it was Mummy's passion that killed him. Well, that's, that's, that's tragic, huh? Yes. I suppose that's why I hate sex so. Mm. <laughs> and as I said right at the start of this episode, it's the erotic misadventures of Sam Malone. I think they could have also called it that. <laughs> I think that was the other optional title for the whole yeah. series of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely interesting, definitely lot of things to unpack. Lila Kay was fantastic as Lillian. I think she was a very good thing. You've said it's the happiest choose has been for a while. I think if Malcolm Kramer and Lillian Huxley were part-time bartenders every so often, I think everyone in Boston would be at Cheers. That's the trivia bar, James. We've got some lovely questions here. I can kick it off for us today. I think I may have mentioned this one before, but how much did Fraser tip when they were in Italy. A hundred US dollars. Which was 2,000 lira. But do they, they don't use lira anymore, do they? They use the euro. The euro, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure if the lira are still in rotation or not. I'm not sure. So my question is, when did Italy start using the euro? It's a lot more recently than I thought. 2001. I mean, you're pretty close, John. It was the 1st of January 2002. So close. Pretty close, indeed. In Sam's interview process... He asked people about their turn-ons. What were Lillian's turn-ons? Tea. Sorry, that sounded angry. Uh, <laughs> um, tea. Oh, I'm sorry, you got it wrong already, James. Hunting dogs, daiquiri, and Welsh rabbit. Daiquiri. 
daiquiri. Another one about interviews. What does Brenda Wood have written on her application? Oh, I don't know. Oh, something about tight jeans and at the beach. Her turn-ons include banana daiquiris by the fireside and men in tight jeans. Sam offers to take Brenda back to his place and they make a couple of banana daiquiris and she goes, do you have a fireplace? And he goes, no, but I have a sofa which we can set alight. That's how desperate Sam is, John. That, that's how desperate he is. Who set fire to his own furniture. In this episode, uh, Lillian also describes what she would like carved onto her gravestone. Do you know what it is? Lillian Huxley never left a thirsty man waiting for his ale, and she always brought him a wee bit more than a pint. What a, what a good phrase to end on, then. <laughs> and that's beautiful. She gets like a bravo and a round of applause after saying that. <laughs> Just people stand up going, yes! yes! And I'll tell you what, all the British people watching this, group, yes, yes, good, yes, yes. <laughs> that's the final call at the bar, James, which means we, we've come to the end of the episode. And I think that, that idea of Lillian Huxley never kept a thirsty man waiting for an ale, and she always brought him a wee bit more than a pint. I think that's a, a really nice phrase to sort of close up, but we haven't decided what we're going to be drinking yet. Well, there were options. There were banana daiquiris, was one of the drinks. What about a wee bit more than a pint of banana daiquiri? I think maybe, uh, maybe a wee bit more than a pint. Sounds lovely. You see the little uh, line on the pint glass? Keep filling up past that. Uh, I want to be able to not pick the glass up. I want to be able to... <laughs> to go to it like a like a cat before i can lift it <laughs> so uh, let's steadily raise our glasses cheers james cheers thank you for listening to where nobody knows your name this has been a cheers podcast